Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and I'm joined by Valerie Harkins, Heartbeats Maternity Housing Specialist, and we're speaking with Aisha Taylor. She's the founder and CEO of FN Phenomenal. Aisha was at Heartbeats office recently when we did an open house. We invited friends in the community, those who are involved in pregnancy help work or supporters, and we had the chance to show off our new office space. And Aisha was talking to Heartbeats president, Jarrell Godsey, about her own story and how she is a single mom and she experienced support when she found out she was pregnant with her twins. And she's now helping other moms to thrive financially, spiritually, emotionally through her business that she runs herself. And I cannot wait to share more of her story with you. So before we get into that, I'd like to mention another way that we like to share stories outside of the podcast, and that is through PregnancyHelpNews.com. This is one of my favorite ways to stay connected with pregnancy help organizations worldwide and to find out what's happening, whether that's a new center being opened or new legislation that we should be aware of or just hearing those individual stories of families who are now thriving because of the work of life-affirming pregnancy help organizations. Subscribe for weekly updates that come straight to your email at pregnancyhelpnews.com. So Aisha, I know this is our first time connecting, you and I, uh, but I was particularly excited to get to connect with you today because uh, hearing client testimonies is really I think the fuel that keeps me going and I have learned keeps so many others going as well. And so that that power of our testimony is just like a battery charger for us. So I have been pumped and looking forward to this podcast and getting to know you. Um, so let's start with this since I'm starting new, just like our listeners. Why don't you tell us about you and, and tell us your, your story? What are, what are you here to tell us today? So it's so interesting because my story actually kicks off, my pregnancy story actually kicks off when I was in a service trip, on a service trip in Cuba. And so in Cuba, you know, I'm just taking in everything like, okay, you know, I'm enjoying this culture, learning about the culture, engaging in service. And I just started to feel sick and I could not explain it. I just thought that I must have like eaten something off the beaten path or, you know, something like that. And I was talked to a nurse who was on a trip and she said, are you pregnant? And I was like, no, no. What are, you, what are you talking about? Like, no, I'm not pregnant. And she said, when you get back home to America, take a pregnancy test. And I'm like, I'll do it, but it's not going to be positive because I know my body is not happening. And so I went home and once I got home, I ended up taking a pregnancy test. I actually took about three <laughs> and they all said positive. And I was just just, I, I would just, it almost felt like my, my breath was taken away at that point. And all I could say was Jesus. That was literally on, the only thing that came out of my mouth. I just said, like, Jesus, 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 because I had just quit my job to become a full-time entrepreneur. So I had been previously working in corporate finance, doing mergers and acquisitions, licensing deals, restructuring, working on bankruptcies. And so at one point I was managing a $1 billion budget and that was what I was doing. I quit my job to teach my personal finances because I love personal finances. I have been teaching workshops, working with clients. Um, I had a blog, had a book. And so I ended up leaving to pursue my passion. And then I get pregnant a couple of months later. And so at that point, I had like my whole life, you know, 
planned out in front of me. And I just could not see how a child at that point, I didn't know I was going to have twins. was going to fit in the mix because as somebody who was in personal finance and corporate finance, of course, you know, I had a budget (laughs) and that budget included me. And I knew that if I decided to have my kids, I believed I didn't think that their dad was going to stick around. And so I was terrified and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so part of me wanted to just have an abortion and just get everything over with, right? And return back to whatever was normal for me. But then the other part of me said that that's not the right thing to do. And I was very torn. And at that point, fear was gripping me, fear of finances, fear of what my life was going to look like, fear of what other people were going to say. And so much of me wanted to hide, kind of like, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, God was just like, what's up? And they're like hiding behind a tree with fig leaves sewn over them like that was hiding them. Right. And that's kind of where I was. And so I went through this path where I was back and forth about whether I was going to continue on with my pregnancy or whether I was going to abort. And so finally, I ended up telling the twins dad what was going on. And so he ended up, he told me, it's not like we're playing for keeps, right? So just terminate. And at that point, I was heartbroken. And not not just because I was on the fence. I didn't know what to do. I was terrified. I had no emotional support, right? And to me, I struggled with the decision because I saw the humanity of the twins. And so the callousness that that was said really kind of, kind of hurt. And I wanted emotional support as well that I just wasn't getting. And so um, I remember... I went to the doctor's office. And when I first found out I was pregnant, I saw the ultrasound and I said, is there going to be one or two? And there were two. And I broke down crying because I knew that either way, my life was going to be different. If I had the abortion, I knew that I could never actually forgive him and things would never be back to normal. And two, if I had my kids, I knew that life would never be the same. And I was terrified. And so I decided it was so interesting because I tried to stay strong in order to choose life. But there was so it was so much pressure by him to have the abortion that at some point I just cannot continue to stand firm. And I remember going to my doctor's office and she said, you know what? Um, I actually went to the doctor's office because I wanted to see my kids one more time on the ultrasound before I decided to terminate because I just could not stand firm. I was so afraid. And when I looked at that ultrasound screen, it felt like one of my twins turned and looked at me and looked me straight in the eye. And at that point, I broke down crying, sobbing hysterically to the point where somebody asked me how I was doing and I broke down crying again and they would not let me leave that doctor's office. They were like, we can. Aisha, how far along were you at this point? How many weeks pregnant were you? Um, Around somewhere between eight and 10 weeks pregnant. So I was pretty far along. Right. And I could see on the ultrasound, like, you know, one of the twins was like doing flips and everything. (laughs) It was just like human. And I just wanted to be happy, but all I could see was fear. 
And um, I remember one of the ladies at the doctor's office made me promise her not to do anything until I had a chance to talk to a counselor. And that I, I just know that there were so many delays in between that decision that just was the grace of God to prevent me from making the biggest mistake of my life. I remember one time when I didn't think that I could continue on anymore, I ended up picking up the phone and calling the abortion provider and praise be to the Lord, they didn't answer the phone. And so I ended up going to a church that evening and the pastor did a service on storms. And he said, never make a permanent decision based upon temporary circumstances. And at that point, I realized that an abortion was permanent, but everything that I was going through with their dad was temporary. Everything that I felt in terms of the fear was temporary. And if I trusted in the Lord, he would be able to allow me to make it through. And that was the thing. My faith was the thing that allowed me to stand strong when I felt fear, when I didn't know what to do. And I just find like God puts people in your pathway to almost be angels to us, to be able to help guide us if we're willing to listen. And my sonographer, it turns out she, she was the one who told me, she said, you know what? You have this personal finance business. You do all this with women's empowerment. And she let me know. She said, God is going to use this story for your good. And you're going to have a bigger testimony and a bigger story to be able to help more people. I had no idea what she meant at that time, but she gave me hope, which is what I desperately wanted at the time. And you know what else she did? She said, there's this pregnancy center. They have free diapers, free wipes, free counseling, free baby clothes. And why don't you check it out? And she gave me the name of the pregnancy center and ended up going there. And they were at this point, have you ever heard of a pregnancy center before? Like, did you know what that was? No, not really. And the only thing that I knew about the pro-life movement really at that time was what I had learned in college and at school. And I had been told that pro-life people hated women, they hated children, and all they wanted women to do was to like force birth and force kids to be born and abandon them and never take care of them. So that's the only thing I really knew about the pro-life movement. And so what's interesting, being at the clinic, uh, being at the um, the pregnancy center, it was eye-opening to me because I realized that I had been lied to for so for so long. I think that as young people, as college students, as high school students, we can end up being manipulated and lied to. And by me going through that process, by me seeing how amazing these people were, by me seeing the resources that they provided, by me seeing how beautifully they treated me. And when my kids were born, my unborn kids, and even when they were born, that changed my whole perspective on even what pro-life was and what it actually meant. And then from there, I started to begin to speak out more about pro-life initiatives, pro-life messaging, and to the point where the Lord convicted my heart so much about pregnancy centers and unborn children, especially children born to single mothers, I began to, I became an advocate at a center to be able to be there for other women during their times of need. Wow, that that's amazing. That's an amazing story. And I, I pray an encouragement to those listening. One of the thoughts that I have, or I guess the curiosity might be a better way to say it, but where were you in the finality of your decision-making regarding your pregnancy 
at the time that you got connected with the pregnancy center? Were you like leaning towards life, but undecided or were you already, you know, decided I'm going to carry it a term and now I need help? It's funny that you asked that because it's kind of a little bit about both. And for me, I had decided to choose life, but there were times where I was shaky in that decision. And so the people who I spoke to at the pregnancy center, they literally listened to me. I remember when I called the first time, I was a hot crying mess because I wanted to choose life. From the moment I found out I was pregnant, I wanted to choose life. But I was so bombarded in my own mind about all the reasons why I couldn't. And I think that that is um, one of the things that I think that a lot of women who find themselves in unplanned pregnancies face. Somebody told me recently, she said that she helps women to be able to have the confidence to choose life. Because so many of the other messages that we hear is, okay, choosing means abortion. But we have to begin to help people to be able to see that choosing life is a real possibility, regardless of their situation and circumstances. For me, I had to have the courage to choose life for my twins because I am all I saw was their dad walking out. He gave me an ultimatum. He said either have the abortion or he's walking out. And so for me, I'm kind of like, I want to choose life, but I know that he's going to leave. I know that I'm going to be a single mom. I know that I just gave up my six-figure income. I know that I just decided to become a full-time entrepreneur, pursue my passion. And I know that I'm going to be the only one out of my friend group who was like pregnant and married, right? So for me, it felt like life was collapsing on me. For me, I didn't know how I was going to have support. And so I was just grasping for some sort of straw, some sort of string of hope to be able to confirm the decision that I wanted to make from the beginning. But to me, I didn't see hope. And so when I called, I was desperately in search of hope. And that's what they gave for me. And they continued to reaffirm my decision. The second time I talked to them, and it's so funny how God works. When I called the, um, the abortion clinic, they didn't answer the phone. But I remember calling after hours to the pregnancy center, and I was like, there's no way they're going to answer. There's no way. Because at that point, their dad was just like, it was so hard. It was, it was getting to the point where it was verbally abusive. He was telling me all the reasons why I would fail as a mom, all the reason why my kids would fail, because there's, there would be a children of single moms, which is what we hear in the news, right? Was just what we heard when Roe v. Wade fell. All the reasons why we need abortion for so women won't be single moms and kids won't be raised by single moms. Those are the exact same things that I was told. And so I remember there was a time when I was just so desperate for hope because he was just like on me to get that abortion. And out of sheer desperation, I was like, Lord, please let them pick up. And someone did. And she was able to reaffirm my decision to choose life because I was shaky, because I didn't, I struggled to find hope. Praise God. What a, I'm sure someone was uh, volunteering or working that day. She's probably done it for, you know, a hundred times. It maybe even felt monotonous to that person that's been doing it for a while. And I'm sure she had no idea that evening that, um, that three lives would be uh, at stake, yours and your two children. And so, uh, you know, it also reminds me of 
the significance of answering the phone and makes me think of how impactful option line really can be for our centers uh, and our maternity home so that we can have someone answering the phone around the clock. Um, I've heard this pretty consistently with other client testimonies that availability, missing a phone call, missing a text message can be the difference in life or death. Because by the time the person finally has the courage or uh, by the time they're to the point of being willing to pick up the phone right, and call, they've already lived a full experience leading up to that. They've had thoughts, emotions, life has been happening, all of these things. So by the time they're on the phone, they're usually like really in a point of need. And so missing that phone call can be critical. Uh, and I hear that again in your story. So that, that reminds me and keeps me sharp. Okay. So tell us, first of all, how old are your twins? Seven. 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 So this was seven years ago. Well, eight, I guess about eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. And where are you now? What, are you still self-employed? Did you pursue your business? Yeah. So it's funny how that works because I'm still self-employed and I wrote a book called Navigating the Impossible, a survival guide for for single moms from pregnancy through the first year of motherhood. And so it was funny because I was just mostly doing personal finance for single moms. Like, okay, you know what? Let's talk about personal finances for single moms because I thought that as somebody who had blog, worked with clients, worked with brands for personal finances for women, that transitioning into me being a single mom would be easy on the personal finance. And I'm like, I got this. I'm the expert, right? And I, did, I underestimated the emotional side of finance. I severely underestimated that. I underestimated the, um, the, um, the place single mom guilt would play on finances and the feeling of overcompensating the guilt that I would carry even for considering abortion. Literally, I felt so guilty that I picked up the phone to call the abortion clinic. I felt so guilty. And so from the moment my kids were born, I was trying to overcompensate and prove to them that I wanted them, that I love them, and it impacted my finances. So here I am happy just talking about personal finances for single moms. And I could just feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit prompting me to write down what I had learned write down my story. And I did when my kids were about somewhere between like 18 months and three. That's about the time period I worked on it. And I didn't release it until after um, the Dodds decision. Once I began to see what was happening on the news and the messages that were coming. And I said, people need hope. And so I wrote my book. And as I was meeting with people and organizations to talk about the book, because the book has everything from personal finances in it, emotional support, practical tips on how to parent and how to prepare, just the gamut, right? A to Z. I ended up meeting an organization and they said, you know what? We're in need of two advocates. Are you interested? And I'm kind of like, that would be interesting. I found myself asking questions about the position, which was not planned. I was just there to talk about the book. <laughs> and then I ended up going there to promote the book and seeing about using the book as a curriculum and as a resource for the single moms who go through. And I ended up becoming an advocate 
to be able to help women in their time of need when they find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy. And so to answer your question, it's kind of both. I'm employed as an advocate working with women who experience unplanned pregnancies, and I'm still self-employed working with with single moms in terms of personal finances, as well as to help them to become whole financially free and rooted in Jesus Christ. So you have your hands full. You're juggling both. And yes. a single mom of two twin seven-year-old girls. Is that what I heard? A boy and a girl. That's great. So you've got your, you have your hands full. Uh, are you able, based on your own experiences, to incorporate an element of faith into personal finance with single moms in the work you do? Absolutely. For me, faith is foundational to everything that I do because I would not be where I am without Jesus. I would not be standing where I am without Jesus. I would not have the hope that I have without Jesus. So for me, I use finances at the core of everything that I do. I see everything through the lens of Jesus. And so for me, it's because my hope is found in Jesus. So when I approach personal finances, I approach it from a biblically based perspective. And so Um, I look about, I talk about biblical stewardship of money, how to glorify God with your money. I talk to uh, women about how to teach their kids about personal finances and even how to incorporate tithing in their budget, even when they don't think it's possible. That's that's really awesome. Um, it sounds like I need to find your classes and sign up for them <laughs> myself. I uh, certainly know lots and lots of single moms in the area that would love the encouragement and the knowledge that comes from something exactly like that. Uh, so maybe we'll connect uh, afterwards. Here's a question that I have for you, and I'll, I'll kind of start to wrap up with this. But I I think that the primary audience of those that are listening to this podcast right now I'm assuming probably are also advocates or maybe can even relate to that person that answered the phone that evening. She's probably done that a hundred times. It's probably become very routine work to her. Um, what would you say to, to that person? If you had a message or just something that you wanted to pass along to them, what would that be? I love this question. And literally when I tell you just yesterday, I was telling someone that I really hope that people who are boots on the ground, who do this work every day, hear my story and hear my testimony because what you do matters. It matters. And I think that sometimes things, when you do it every day, it can become monotonous. And I think that sometimes too, when we look at culture and the amount of attacks on this work, I think that it can cause a sense of weariness. But we also see in the Bible that Paul admonishes people do not become weary in well-doing, right? Because there is a harvest. There is a promised harvest. And there are lives being saved because you show up every day tired, discouraged. Your lives are being saved. And for me, a simple phone call being answered saved my life and my twin lives. A simple message of encouragement by my sonographer gave me the hope to choose life another day. My sonographer did not volunteer at that pregnancy center. 
I never saw her at that pregnancy center. She didn't work there. She didn't volunteer there, but she was an ambassador. And so when I talk to organizations, when I talk to pregnancy centers, I, I tell them, I said, create a pipeline of ambassadors, people who know about your work and can speak about your work, even if they don't volunteer or work there, because these people have access and influence to other people that you guys might not be able to reach, but they can point people to the life-saving services that you offer. And I still keep in contact with the pregnancy center that I went to. And it's so funny because back then when I was um, leaving the program, I said, I can never repay what you guys did for me because my kids are alive. But what I can do is pay it forward to give somebody else hope and encouragement to be able to equip them and empower them to be able to choose life. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what I was signing up for at that time. But I want you to say that even if somebody never goes back and tells you how you have impacted their lives, know that you did. Because even a couple of years later, when I was still keeping in contact with the pregnancy center I went to, she said, most people don't keep in touch. Most people don't continue to share pictures, but you do. And so I want you to be encouraged that this is a story about eight years later, what it can look like and how, because somebody else showed up, now I'm in the position to show up for my children, but also be there to stand in the gap, to be a sense of encouragement and hope for other moms. So your work matters. Thank you for that message. That's a sweet message. I hope that people hear that and hide it away in their hearts for those weary seasons and weary days. Uh, the other thing I think our listeners would love to know is how can we get connected with the work that you're doing, your personal finance work? Do you have a, a website or maybe even can you refer us to the book that you uh, referenced that you wrote? Yes. So the book, Navigating the Impossible, a survival guide for single moms from pregnancy through the first year of motherhood, that is available on Amazon. So you can pick up your copy on Amazon. And if you would like to bulk order, just um, contact me and you can connect with me over on fnphenomenal.com. So F is in family, N is in Nancy, P-H-E-N-O-M-E-N-A-L dot com. I'm also on Instagram at fnphenomenal. And you can also email me at hello at fnphenomenal.com. Awesome. I I appreciate that. And I look forward to personally looking up that, finding your Instagram handle and following you and checking out your book. And uh, I always love a new book. So I'll be sure to order that on Amazon to check it out. Well, thank you for sharing your heart and a piece of your life today with us. Thank you for your generosity uh, and for giving to this community. I just, I so appreciate it. Look forward. Maybe we'll have you back on another time. And if so, I hope I get to be the one to interview you again, because I so enjoyed our time together today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I thank you for all of the work that you all do. Thank you. Uh, one thing that we mentioned throughout this episode was option line and how they're available to answer calls, even when a center is not open. Uh, so I want to throw in a quick plug for them. And if you uh, are interested, if you're a ministry and you're looking for someone to answer those calls, then we have a 24 seven hotline pregnancy help hotline that is available. Um, it's also bilingual and uh, that is through uh, optionline.org. People can call, text, chat, email to reach somebody 24 seven, and you can contact heartbeat if you're interested in working that out so that your 
specific ministries number can be reached at uh, any hour of the day or night. You can contact um, info at optionline.org as well if you're interested in that. Again, thank you, Aisha and Valerie, for joining us for this episode. Uh, Be sure to subscribe so that we can keep more great content coming your way. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.